Welcome to the Global Treasures Podcast. I'm Abigail Vaca. And I'm Keith Berthume. We're two travelers with a passion for exploring World Heritage Sites. What makes the concept of World Heritage Sites so unique is the idea that these places belong to all people, no matter where they physically live. We'll spend each episode exploring the history, travel tips, and so much more. There are 1,199 sites across the world, with more being added every year. Throughout our journey, we're going to release episodes in the order by the year the sites were originally added to the list, starting with the first ones in 1978. With the introduction out of the way, let's dive in. In this episode, Keith and I will be introducing you to Simeon National Park, which is located in the Amhara region in northern Ethiopia. Ethiopia is located between Somalia and Kenya in the Horn of Africa. If you listened to our last episode on rock-hewn churches, some of this information might be a bit familiar. And it's back to Ethiopia. This whole episode is brought to you by erosion that has created one of the most spectacular landscapes in the world, including jacked mountain peaks, deep valleys, sharp precipices dropping 4,500 feet, and some of the most stunning hiking routes in Africa. The park is 85 square miles of beauty that is home to extremely rare animals, like the Galata baboon, the simian fox, the Ethiopian wolf, the caracal, which is a type of cat, and the walia ibex, which is a goat found nowhere else in the world. The park, which is the largest of nine national parks in Ethiopia, covers a territory that includes the highest part of the Simeon Mountains and includes Ras Dashan, the highest point in Ethiopia, and actually the 10th tallest mountain in all of Africa. The western summit of this mountain has an enclosed 360-degree observation deck. Visitors say that they are struck by the sheer beauty of the view. Like some of the other sites that we've covered in Season 1, Simeon National Park is close to the equator, so temperatures don't change much throughout the year. There's a large gap between daytime and nighttime temperatures, however. Days average between 65 degrees Fahrenheit to nights dropping to an average of 43 degrees Fahrenheit. The Simeon Mountains are also remarkable in the fact that it's one of the few spots in tropical Africa which snow regularly falls. Besides the animals that Abigail mentioned before, more than 400 species of birds are found in the park, including the bearded vulture, which actually has a 10-foot wingspan. This bird has been compared to a falcon, but of much larger size. Of those 400 species, 63 of them are endemic to the park, which means that they're found nowhere else in the world. The park is also home to 21 large mammal species. The park has only one road, which is unpaved and runs from Debark, which is where the administrative headquarters of the park is. It runs east through a number of small villages, to the 14,530-foot Buahit Pass, and eventually ends three miles beyond the park boundary. As with the other sites we've done recently, the geological history of how this area came to be is absolutely fascinating. Starting about 30 million years ago, the highlands of Ethiopia, where this park is found, were formed from the volcanic floods that happened in the region. These floods are high-volume volcanic eruptions that flood vast areas of the earth, 
covering massive spots with flat-lying lava surfaces. They're sometimes called flood basalts. This makes layer after layer of cooled lava, which is actually really susceptible to erosion over time. Over the following millions of years, heavy erosion of this plateau created the serrated mountain peaks, the deep valleys, and the sheer cliffs. Since this area is rich in that basalt I just mentioned, this whole area serves as an excellent drainage basin, where all of the flowing surface water converges to a single point, the Tekiz River. Many of the tributaries that feed the Tekiz only run during the rainy season, so the flow of rivers vary wildly from dry to rainy season. The vegetation in the area is truly unique as well. It is divided into three sections, montane forest, subalfroalpine, and the alfroalpine, which are all at different altitudes and support very different species. The ridges and canyons have beautiful meadows, forests, and bushlands as well. This region has been inhabited by humans and cultivated for at least 2,000 years. The park was established in 1969, but this area was managed since at least 1944, set up by Clive Nichol, who wrote about his experience in the region in the book From the Roof of Africa. In 1944 and before 1969, this area was a royal hunting ground. As hunting increased and the growing population of the area put an increasing pressure on land and resource use, it became apparent that this area needed to be protected. Dr. B. Nievergelt of the University of Zurich visited the mountains in 1968 and carried out extensive assessments of the area. Several years later, he published a number of suggested conservation measures. Many of these suggestions led to further research and application of his suggestions for conservation. UNESCO included Simeon National Park as one of the first sites to be declared in 1978. The organization quoted outstanding biodiversity and landscapes as part of the reason it was included. Because of serious population declines of some of the species, in 1996 it was added to the list of world heritage in danger. Good news, however, the park was removed from that list in 2017 with the stabilization of those species populations. Abigail, I know you researched visiting the park. What's the best way to get there? Okay, so you can get to Simeon National Park by flying to Addis Ababa, and then you can take an hour and 20 minute or so flight to Gondar. From there, you'll need to rent a car and drive about two hours or so to Simeon. And keep in mind, like Keith said, many of the roads are probably unpaved, again, aka dirt roads, and may not have guardrails, so please drive carefully. If you don't want to drive, there are guided tours you can purchase on vetted sites where they will pick you up at the airport, provide transportation, and a guide that will hike with you throughout the park. This will also ensure you'll get a guide that speaks your native language, as Amharic is the official language of Ethiopia. Again, my understanding is that English is not widely spoken, even in touristy spots, so a tour may be your safest and easiest option, although not the cheapest. Yeah, when I looked at this, it didn't seem like any of the options were very inexpensive. No, and once you are there, there are other costs associated with visiting. So, if you drive into the park, 
there's a vehicle and entrance fee, for example. If you want to use one of the three main campsites, there will be camping fees as well. Apparently, they do provide you with various gear and equipment, but per some of the reviews I came across, it's not always in top-notch shape, so you may want to bring your own sleeping bag and or pillow. So are there any hotels or restaurants near the park? Or are you going to have to carry everything in, including all of your food and camping gear? There are two lodges within the park. Lima Limo Lodge, which is a bougie ecotourism hotel that's highly decorated and considered to be one of the nicest places to stay in all of Ethiopia. Simeon Lodge is your other option and is considered to be more bare bones in comparison, but both do have restaurants in the hotels. Ah, so you don't have to be an experienced backpacker to appreciate this park. So how many people visit each year? A little over 32,000 annually. Something I thought was interesting is that over 3,000 people actually live within the technical limits of the park, mostly those who raise livestock or make their living through agriculture. Oh, that's interesting. So people live within the park. So as everyone knows by now, you like to investigate the paranormal legends and conspiracy theories around these sites. What did your uh, sleuthing uncover this time? So there was one paranormal report I found that was kind of interesting. Hikers and others who visit the park have reported seeing a cryptid called the Wob. Apparently, this is a human-slash-ape-like creature that's covered in hair everywhere other than its face. It supposedly has abnormally long arms, no joints, I don't even know what that means, and can speak any language. Wait, so this animal is allegedly spoken to people? Apparently, if you believe their reports. So people have reported seeing this creature as far back as the late 1880s, but I didn't see anything about attacks, just sightings. Most zoologists argue that this is likely just a type of ape that hasn't yet been discovered, And given all of the unique types of animals that call the park home, that sounds right to me. So, as Keith mentioned before, this site was on the list of World Heritage Sites considered to be in danger up until 2017. This is because of poaching of animals such as the Willia goat, which is found nowhere else in the world. They more recently expanded the total size of the park to three times its size, giving the animals more space to graze and roam. Remember I mentioned that locals live in the park and raise livestock? Well, this in itself, ironically, is problematic because their livestock overgraze, which leaves less for the animals who call the park home and cause soil erosion. So the UN is working with local communities to help find alternative sources to feed their animals. The UN and Global Environment Facility launched a project more recently to help develop systems to track the total numbers of the wildlife to ensure they don't become endangered, and to better train law enforcement to be able to protect the park long-term at the tune of $12 million. Those are some expensive goats. So it's easy to see why this park was included in the first class of sites for UNESCO World Heritage, especially if you look at some of the pictures or better yet, go there. 
With the conservation efforts, this park should be able to be enjoyed by generations to come. Thank you so much for tuning in to learn about Simeon National Park. If you've been enjoying this podcast, please leave a review. We would appreciate it greatly. Reviews help us show up in search engines and allow more people to find this podcast, which in turn helps us to create more content. Thank you for listening to the Global Treasures Podcast. If you'd like to support the show, you can subscribe at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also check us out on YouTube and TikTok. See you next time.